Welcome to Bleeding Edge Interviews. I am your host, Super Dave. Thank you for joining me as I spend some time talking to the people responsible for all the amazing music you hear on Bleeding Edge on Toxic Radio. This is where we get a little bit of insight into the minds of the people who are making the choice on a regular basis to deviate from the norm and push the boundaries of rock and metal. So a couple years ago, a somewhat unlikely candidate exploded onto the prog scene in the form of one Jason Beeler, along with his Baron Von Bielski Orchestra, a.k.a. a shit ton of his best friends, many of them with prog connections, just suddenly lit things up and was immediately embraced by the prog community as a whole. Now, whether he likes it or not, he is here to stay with us and continue to explore the boundaryless world of progressive rock. And I was fortunate enough to uh, get a chance to sit down and talk with Mr. Beeler once again. Happy to have him back on the show for a chance to talk about his upcoming latest album, Postcards from the Asylum. Somehow I got to think that the album names just fit anymore (laughs) because... Uh, Songs for the Apocalypse came out in the middle of the pandemic and Postcards from the Asylum just shot out in the middle of whatever shit show we've got going on in this day and age where things just seem to have gone off the rails. Uh, Meanwhile, he's continued to be as creative as ever, diverse as ever, and we're going to talk all about that and the potential of seeing this music live in the hopefully very near future. So here you go, my conversation with the one and only Jason Beal. All right, so how you doing? How are things where you're at? Great, man. I mean, uh, nothing to complain about. How about yourself? Oh, I've always got things I can complain about, but nobody cares to listen, so I don't bother. I'll go out in the woods and shout. Exactly. <laughs> I, wa- I, wander, I wander about aimlessly in the woods. The way to go. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend enjoys it, too, so that works out perfectly. <laughs> Match made in heaven. I hear you. All right, so... Big stuff going on for you in the world these days. New album coming out very soon. Postcards mm-hmm. for the Asylum. That's due out April 13th. My memory right there? 14th. 14th. I was close. You know, I should close actually enough. put that in front of me. <laughs> I should put that in front of me before I start talking about it. I have been missing dates and deadlines like a mad, like a senior citizen. Like, I just don't know what, I don't know what's happening anymore. Like, uh, that one I finally got right. There you go. Well, hey, that one probably got burned in, I would hope anyway. In theory. Yeah. So, all right. So that comes out very soon. And I, I guess I'm curious. This is now the second album uh, under the moniker of Jason Beeler and the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra. Mm-hmm. What's a little different this time around? Was there something different in the mindset now that you've kind of done this lineup, so to speak, lineup, this this kind of approach once before? Uh, was there something that felt different this time? Um, I think it's just an extension, you know, a a natural extension. So I don't think there's any conscious like um, deviation from, you know, form, you know, not not that there's a formula. I mean, I think, uh, but just to, you know, do whatever we felt like doing, you know, when the, whatever stylistically, you know, gelled or made sense or, um, you know, we tracked a ton of songs and then just trying to make sure. And it's weird. I have have the opposite problem of a lot of people. I think that, you know, they can't make a diverse record. People want them to kind of make 10 songs mm-hmm. that are kind of in the same bit. To me, like my bass will kill me if I don't shock them and surprise them and have, you know, that kind of thing. So making sure that each, you know, each song had its place and yeah. kind of inadvertently, it, it, it's almost, it's been pointed out to me by 
other people that it, you know it's almost like a concept album uh but i didn't even realize i was making it until the end and all the lyrics were put together and i was you know i was forced to proof stuff and you know the person who does all my art this guy robert who's brilliant um you know started like you know i don't know if you're aware but like you know all these things kind of lead down this kind of so it's uh yeah so in retrospect it's kind of i guess uh you know uh, you know articulating some mental dysfunction musically got <laughs> What, where do you think of the seed of that came from? How do you think it worked out that way? Because I can remember talking about Human Head with you the first time we talked, but that was right. about a year and a half ago. So these songs have been kind of released over this extended period of time. And it, it's kind of like you've been working through things after, over all that time. Yeah, I mean, just writing a ton and then just pushing, you know, different buttons to see where things lead. I mean, I kind of just dive down these holes and... Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, you know, it's like until now when I'm starting to get all this really fortunately positive feedback, you know, I'm never even sure what I'm doing. Like, you know, it could just as easily be a terrible record or or off completely off, you know, balance. But, um, you know, I just I, I guess the really only thing we I sat back and was kind of focused on is making sure I felt like it, you know, was ready and, yeah. and had a purpose. And uh, and so, you know, I'm really happy with the way it came out. And obviously the contributions of the people I've had involved in this one as well. I mean, Andy Black Sugar is like my right hand man. I mean, he's just a brilliant guitar player. And nice. Adu Comanato played drums on the vast majority of stuff. Um, brilliant drummer from Brazil. Uh, <laughs> and we had some special guests. We had Marco Miniman from the who's just as freaky of a talent as you could possibly yeah. encounter. Okay. And and Todd Kearns from Slash's band played bass on a track and Rio Akamoto from Spock's beard. And, you know, again, I got to work with these amazing musicians, which is always just such a, yeah. you know, a thrill, a huge thrill. So. Yeah. Yeah. You intuitively figured out where I was probably going down uh, the path. here with talking about the, the variety of musicians involved in this. And you're right. I, like all the music that's come out so far that you released is every song is very much a distinct personality. And yet it's all very clearly Jason Beeler and friends. And you've got all these guys, and, and thank you very much for saving me from mangling any of those names I probably would have mispronounced. No That's problem. Another, another save twice in one day. Good man. Um, That's what I am. I'm I'm here to help. <laughs> so, what do they tend to bring to it? I, I mean, I guess they're playing a the role of hired guns a little bit, but I imagine they bring their own little twist to things. There, there's really no hired gun about it. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm fortunate to call these guys friends. Yeah. Uh, even going back to the last record, you know, you have Bumblefoot, Clay Cook from the Zach Brown Band, Butch Walker, David Ellison, Benji from Skindred. I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting uh, Clint Lowry from Seven Dust. Um, mm -hmm. These these guys are all brilliant. Yeah. I mean, just brilliant musicians. So what is kind of neat about the process is I'll complete an idea, you know, the the framework of an idea, kind of a, uh, you know, and uh, I'll send it to them. Yeah, and they have free reign to kind of bring whatever and i think because of the fact that i'm not there and we're not in a studio together i'm not screwing up the process by you know directing anybody but you don't need to direct right you know marco miniman on how to do drums you know what i mean he just generally asked like what do you what do you think what do you have any concept yeah you know and i was like yes you should go berserk and then let me see what happens uh but yeah well, i mean that's been the thing too i mean you know it, it, it the, the battle is won or lost by me being fortunate enough to have brilliant musician friends who, you know, I've, I've yet to, you know, open a track in the studio and be like, Oh, that's terrible. 
every time I've been like shocked and surprised, shocked in a good way and surprised and just blown away by their contributions. And, you know, it, it, it's given the record such uh, so much more depth yeah. uh, and perspective. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's the thing I, I think I enjoy most about these two albums, especially because I haven't heard all of the new one, but I've read through the credits and and looking at the list of guests on there. It's it's. And honestly, this movie came to mind and almost fit thematically with the names of the albums. But it's a mad, 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 mad world. Just the whole list of of guest stars and stars in it is is that's you. And I don't I've not seen anybody else do that to that level. Well, you know, I mean, what's really important to me is. To pursue the music with people I really love and, you know, Devin Townsend, even on the last record, uh, but just to, to, to be around those guys, it's not something where I think a lot of times now you know, people collaborate to get the name on Spotify search engines. So, you know, oh, you know, so-and-so is on this track. So yeah. it'll automatically bounce. I mean, <clears throat> to me, this is all about, you know, every one of these people is someone I, I respect, want, enjoy having a part, love what they do. Um, and it, so it's very, it's very, it's, it, 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 I don't want it ever to come across like, oh, here you come. Nor do I ever just want to be filling, you know, checking off boxes. Like when, when the next record comes, oh, right. I might not have any guests yeah. or I could have a hundred. <laughs> I mean, it's just all going to base on like, this will be great. Oh, what an opportunity to work with this. You know, this will be perfect. And, right. um, and these things kind of fit together like a, like a puzzle. And, and, and that's, what's really important to me. Not just the cheap kind of like sticker ploys. You can say featuring so-and-so because yeah. one, I don't think anybody cares ultimately. <laughs> and two, it comes down to the tunes and the music and the contributions. And absolutely uh, for me. And, and honestly, I, I know, to an extent, it, it struck me that you almost seem surprised at the way uh, the Prague community has embraced what you're doing at this point in time. And that that whole concept of the idea of all these paths crossing, all these people collaborating together has really become, I think, what modern Prague is at this point in time. You've got people bouncing around from band to band, project to project, collaborating, working together with this and then that and the other. And you've you've somehow become a confluence of so many of them. You know, I mean, it's been the happiest accident of my life yeah. uh, because, you know, I never even thought really much about, I think we talked about it last time, you know, the prog wasn't something I really focused on. I didn't grow right. up listening to a tremendous amount of it. But I think, as I've learned, prog is really the coolest, most accepting genre there is. Like, prog is truly the one genre I can think of that, that you know, doesn't have a rule. Yeah. Like, they will accept Meshuggah and they will accept Steven Wilson, and they will accept anything in between, as long as it's pushing the envelope in some creative way and, you know, breaking down some format dogma right. and things like that. And that's a really cool thing. I mean, every other genre I can think of has got these set of rules, you know, that you have to kind of play within, you know, right. you know whether it's EDM has, you know, every few months, the bass drum changes. It has to be this kind of kick drum versus that, you know, and, or this synth and this sub is the way it is. Yeah. I mean, the, the prog community has been, you know, so awesome to me. And it's, it's really given me a whole new life because it's funny, like since the last record, there's a huge chunk of the base of people that, you know, uh, have discovered me that have no idea of my past career, yeah. which is amazing. I mean, not that Saigon <laughs> kick was like as big as, you know, the Beatles or something like that, where you couldn't, right. you know, like Paul McCartney's not going to get rediscovered. I mean, he's pretty much <laughs> Paul McCartney. So fortunately, Saigon kick wasn't big enough. To, to cause that kind of problem. But nonetheless, it's really rare that you get a second look in life, right. not only 
in any genre, but a completely different genre and have them be so accepting of the records. Um, it's been really, really cool. And then obviously also to have the people that have stuck with me the whole time kind of along for that ride as well was kind of like, I just feel like, uh, you know, you don't get much luckier. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And, and, and here we all are as fans benefiting from your, your basically lacks of lack of boundaries. <laughs> basically you said, I'm just going to create what I'm going to create. Fuck the boundaries and beautiful. There you go. Instant product. Yeah, I think you, you, you get to a point where I, I think, you know, I mean, I, I think that's the beautiful part of getting older. You know, it's a, you know, I think Ricky Gervais was talking about it. You just get this license, you know, people are like, oh, it's just, that's, uh, he's old now. He doesn't, you know, he can, yeah. he says the weird things at the table, whatever he's, <laughs> you just, you know, you can, you can say no when you want to say no, you can, you can, you can kind of pursue the things you want to pursue. And, and uh, you're not worried about all the things you're worried about when you're, you know, a teenager or when you're in your twenties, you know, am I cool? Does this look right? You know, am I going to be accepted? I'm not saying that it's not wonderful when people accept it, but I just, I, I really couldn't care less. I mean, I really just want to make it's It's, it's a kind of reverse reward. Like I make the things I want to make, which I'm very fortunate to be able to do. And then to get that, to do, to do it under those, pre- under that premise and then be rewarded by it being accepted is I think as happy as I've ever been. Right. Yeah. And good for you, man. I'm glad for you there. So I'm, I'm curious, too, about the, you talked about, you know, how there's a seeming to be an overarching conceptual link among the songs. I know you don't like to dissect your lyrics and things like that, so I won't ask you to do that. But I do notice your tendency is towards dark subject matter and imagery in the lyrics, often, though, also with a kind of a wry sense of humor to it. But I'm I'm curious where those come from. How do, how do you generate that stuff? Is it is it personal experience? Is it observations? A little both? Something else? I, I mean I I mean I go back to being a very young, like four or five, and my step grandmother at the time gifted me the uh, collection of Edgar Allan Poe stories, which I was a little young, but I read them, started reading yeah. them, so I, I I fell in love with the books. So I think that probably twisted something. <laughs> it might be called child abuse today, but uh, you know, it twisted my perspective on storytelling and how things should go and and things like that. But it's funny because as we were doing, like, I never really. It, my whole process is very. I would. It's not a spiritual thing at all because I'm not a spiritual yeah. person, but it's very channeled. Things happen for me. Like the music just kind of happens, and sometimes I feel like I'm just sitting. My 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 main focus is get it down. It's yeah. all there, like the melodies and, the, and generally a lot of the lyrical content. So I wasn't even aware of a lot of this until, you know, my wife read through this stuff. And she's like, I think I might have to get a restraining order. <laughs> like, you know, you, you have some serious things you might want to go see somebody about. And until I start reading, I'm like, oh, wow, that is that is a little dark, isn't it? You know, uh, but I like to wrap those things in melody, too. So, it, you know, I like the, I love that juxtaposition of, you know, horrific you know, line matched with a, a really melodic thing. So where, you know, nothing makes me happier than people singing stuff because they just like the melody and they don't even realize what they're saying. Right. That, that's the, that's the highest calling of my art. Right. And, and again, you intuit one of my questions I was going through my mind because I thought it juxtaposed with those lyrics. And especially I always go back to human head because I love those first couple lines of that. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny because it's such a dark image. And yet there's that same point where I go, but he's not saying that seriously at all. You know, like there's just this little twist. It's humorous, 
And yet, well, I mean, I don't know if you look, if you look, if you look over the door behind me, there is kind of a head hanging. Oh, wow. I shouldn't say. I need, I need to expand that picture. <laughs> um, no, I mean, these things just come to me. These things, and that was like the line. That line wrote the song. Right. And I don't know where it was. I might have been walking in the middle of the woods, and all of a sudden, I just had this. You know, and I don't know why it came to me. It wasn't like I was mm. in a bad mood or a dark mood. Or it was it probably could have been a sunny and beautiful day. Yeah. with a nice breeze blowing but all of a sudden you know i bought a human head just hit i was like wow that's really kind of that's great and then the whole thing flows wow. out from that um for me that's the way almost everything's worked you know i mean unfortunately i'm really lucky i mean it's like i almost fear thinking about it or analyzing it or you know it'll just right. all go away you know i don't want to understand it i it's just i've been lucky that it could happen as, yeah. as often as it does and it just uh I just I keep rolling with it. It's amazing as a metaphor to me, really, because in that certain sense, it's such a clear image. And yet, how many different meanings can somebody dig out of that? And then as right. the rest of the song flows, how many other things can they pull out of that going, oh, it can mean this, it can mean that. That's amazing. But yeah, the idea that you are intentionally marrying that to a hummable, singable lyric or, or even upbeat, not like lyric, pardon me, melody, or even upbeat rocking melodies you know like you know it could right. have been anything else going on and and dark and bouncy light almost you know that's 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 an it's not an easy talent i think to do because it's hard not yeah, to match I, dark with dark i think it's a if steve if stephen king was in the backstreet boys that's where i ultimately am aiming for yeah <laughs> yeah that fits because i mean honestly in his writing too he's i think always had this little bit of satire going on as an undercurrent with what's happening at least in most of the right. work i've read yeah i mean he's just had these horrifically wonderful you know stories that you know yeah. or, or you know that are just to me i i, I love that I, mean, I just love you know and i also like music that i mean i, I i'm in awe of somebody like like a bruce springsteen mm -hmm. because the ability to write a narrative like that like you know, and I'm going to butcher the concept of what I'm trying to say, but I mean, it's like the ability to go like, I woke up, grabbed a wrench number 12, walked into the garage, opened my Ford's caliper braced hood and, you know, adjusted the piston to this time. I mean, those, the, and to make a story so specific yeah. and yet so generally relatable to a lot of people, but th right. that's a whole different way of, you know, telling a story. And I, I kind of, the thing about, my music that I hope is that people can get it totally wrong. Like, I, I love the fact that it's going to mean something completely different to everybody yeah. um, because there's room in there for them to kind of get into that, you know, that, that, that experience and, and, but yet not have the same one you may have or I. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting idea too. They bring that up. The idea that his music in many ways can find some drama or something gripping in the mundane that people can relate to. And at the same time, maybe to an extent, if you haven't had that experience, it's harder to relate versus something more vague and metaphorical where maybe more people can relate to it because of the fact that it's not so specific. I think the genius of him is, is just what you, he's doing something that does appear specific, yeah. but is, I mean, obviously there's, you know, billions of people who, yeah. who derive that experience from so, that's, to me, that's even it's it's it, you know simplicity is the hardest thing, right? Right. It really is. I mean, to write something simple, you know, people always joke around about you know 
simple things or simple rhythms or, you know, or ACDC. Oh, you know, when you're first learning to play, you're like, oh, ACDC, you know, it's just AC. But nobody ever sounds like ACDC. Ever. Like there's a billion cover bands going to play those songs tonight and no one is ever going to be mistaken for being ACDC. It's just there's a magic to what and how they deliver that. Um, that no one else can do it. And the same thing like that, that that's the genius, I think, of, of, of Springsteen. It, it, it seems so individual, but it is so general at the same time. Like, it's kind of a cool, yeah. cool thing. Yeah, to take that and make it universal. And then it's just two entirely different approaches. And, and they're, yeah. both, they're both successful in their own right. Well, I think he's done a little bit. I'm not I, a little bit better than me. I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to count the numbers. Yeah. I'm not a mathematician, but I think Springsteen might have me slightly edged out in ticket sales and Thinker. close on albums, but not. <laughs> I still give it to him. Yeah, he, he might have most people edged out at this point. Yeah, but I think so. <laughs> don't feel bad. So I'm curious, too, when you're how do you find that your approach to creating has changed over all those years going back from Saigon kick to now? What, what do you, would you say is most different about you? Maybe confidence in what I want to try to do and the ability to like kind of filter out anything else. Uh Um, You know, there's a lot of other things I think when you're younger that kind of pressure you or push you or, or in your world um, that um, not even negative forces. I mean, just the nature of becoming who you are. Um, So at at this point, I kind of, I'm really comfortable with who I am and what I do. Right. Um, And I, and uh, I feel sorry, my dog's, arguing with me in the background I guess. um but uh yeah it's just you know it, i just feel like i'm getting better at not i mean it, it's always like i always say this to you know people like, like the songs that you loved when you were 20 if you were a saigon kick fan you know those when you're young those songs imprint on you in a way that's never going to be replicated so when i say i'm better at what i'm doing i don't mean that it's going to be necessarily more successful or or mean more to certain people i just purely mean from a selfish point of view that I am better at when I'm in my studio by myself, finishing writing a song and go, okay, that process for me is better than it, than it, than it, than it's ever been. Would you say it's a matter of, of getting more familiar with your craft? Basically it's like the more experience you get, the more you can be intentional with what you turn out and, and have it better defined in your mind than, than maybe when you were younger and, and still learning. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously part of that, but it's also just part of not worrying or putting, I'm just, I'm fortunate because I think yeah. if you, I was, just, I've done well enough where I can do what I want to do and I, I've got a nice life. Yeah. Um, I'm not pressured by, I have to pay my mortgage. So I need to do this trendy thing. Or if right. this next song doesn't do X amount of records or this album doesn't do well, I'm in tr- trouble. So I can, I can kind of, and I don't take that lightly because I under, there's no shame in someone earning a living, making music, doing whatever you have to do, whether that's a cover band or, you know, if you write pop songs or, you know, or whatever, whatever you can do to be creative is, is, is great. For me, I don't, I just don't worry about it anymore. I just, I just really legitimately do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And I find um, more often than not, when I follow that, the, the, it's a circuitous route, but I do better. Yeah. Even the business does better. Like the music ultimately does better than if I were to sit down and go like, you know what I could do right now? Like, I mean, I, I think one could make the case that after Saigon kick ended, there was a period of time when I was doing this record with Pat Badger from extreme mm-hmm. uh, for the American pie soundtrack. Right. And there was a kind of conscious effort of like what's happening. You know, I wouldn't say so much what's happening, but 
this is the time for this and we should be yeah. doing this and we should be thinking that. And uh, it's kind of an ironic thing to bring up because it did, did get me a gold record, but oh, well. mostly on the back, oh, but oh, mostly on the back of the American Pie movie, not, yeah. not the record. Uh, you know, so, so I've done that. And I've been in those mindsets of where, and I think only when you've done that, see that it just, it, it doesn't work. And especially today, I mean, the music industry has changed so much that, you know, you might as well, I think you have a better shot if you're doing something that's true to you and that you yeah. believe in and you love than, than trying it. Cause it, I mean, it, it's not what, you know, there aren't, you know, a hundred big bands anymore. Right. Like there used to be, you know, there's, yeah. there's what, 10. Yeah. It seems like it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the upside is there's a whole lot of medium level bands and a whole lot more variety. Right. At least for me, I find that it's, you know, the, the good thing about this day and age is there's more opportunity for people like you and some of these other bands out there to find their audience because we all know where to find it. And we don't have to wait for somebody to agree to play it on the radio in order right. to hear it or to get it in rotation on MTV, where if you aren't one of those two things, you're going nowhere unless we live near you and we see you perform locally. Now we get this opportunity to find you. And the thing I love, and, and it's one of the things you're doing too, is, is when artists have a truly unique voice, you know, and obviously, I mean, overall sound as opposed to just your singing voice, but you know, that uh, their own unique sound that is so clearly them that nobody else sounds like. And that's one of the things uh, you've really, I think, achieved with oh, last album you. and the music I'm hearing with this album is, I know it instantly. It's Jason Beeler. And, and he's that's doing a, his own thing that nobody does. That's a, I, I mean, people always, you know, especially older musicians complain constantly about the way things are. And yeah. I've never been happier. I, I, I think there's more opportunity now. If, you know, if you wanted to be a rock star and be recognized in the mall, yeah. may, maybe it's a little more difficult now. But I mean, the fact that some kid in, you know, Korea could be making a song tonight at 3 a.m. And by next week, have a massive international hit. Right. With no label, no manager, yeah. just by having the right things happen at the right time, YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Yeah. That's brilliant. I mean, that, that, that's as, to me, that's as cool. I mean, then, you know, there's nothing preventing you from doing whatever you want to do. There's yeah. no more distribution barrier. Right. You know, um, there's a lot of noise. So sometimes you have to be a little patient because there's 8 billion, you know, <laughs> your feed is just full of, and yeah. coming next and coming next, you know, and I'm sure you get hammered you know, every 15 minutes with something else to cover. Well, sure. But, <laughs> but I mean, but that, then again, like that was not, you know, only 15 or 20 bands would get that opportunity in the past. Uh, so I think it's, you know, the democracy of being able to be creative and, and make a living is never been better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice thing. And, and when I think about it, even talking earlier, mentioned the term, the Prague community or the Prague world, 20, 30 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, almost that wasn't a thing so much, you know, before, right. you know, before you could get all this streaming content and all these songs and all these bands out here, none of it was getting on the radio. And for the most part, nobody knew what the heck existed. And now there's a worldwide community. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing in that sense. Absolutely. I mean, and like I said, I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, there, there's so much great music to discover, both new and older and things that, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I, like, I've never been happier or more inspired by what's happening in music than I am now. I mean, yeah. you know, you, if you want to take the time to find stuff, I mean, obviously, and yeah, that's yeah. the problem. I think as people tend to get older, you know, you tend to just kind of 
go to your comfort foods, you know, that you grew up with. And, you know, the, the, the spirit of adventure maybe loses some people after a bit, but, um, not the people I hang out with. I mean, like Mm -hmm. I said, it's never been, uh, never been better. Yeah. At times I almost wish I could rest on that, but I, I continue to be as restless and always looking for something new. So again, that's, you know, when artists like you uh, decide, fuck the boundaries, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to stretch out. I'm there. I'm there for oh, that's it. Awesome. You know, that's, that's the thing it, I love. It's funny you bring it up because like the prog community specifically, I, I think we talked about it last time, but I was doing this project with Jonathan Mover. Mm. Uh, and he had asked me to come out to LA and, you know, work with him. And that's where I met Rio Akimoto from Spock's yeah. Beard. But yeah, um, they were doing all these prog like real prog stuff, like King Crimson, you know, Larks and Aspect and, you know, the stuff that I had never heard in my life. So I discovered like King Crimson in the last three or four years. Oh, wow. I knew, I knew Robert Fripp and I knew that, but, but Genesis to me was the Phil Collins hits. Yes. Was, you know, yes. Was owner of a lonely heart. Like I didn't know. Yes. When they were doing 20 minute, you know, (laughs) insane songs like that or, or gentle giant or Bill Bruford. So, being open to that idea, like it's kind of neat for me because I'm discovering stuff that, you know, was, you know, really in this late sixties, early seventies and, and how revolutionary yeah. their whole, you know, King Crimson. I mean, to me, like the stuff they were doing back then is like still, you know, mind bendingly. Yeah. Crazy. Cool so, <laughs> yeah. And, and to see it, it continues too. just a sort of side note, you maybe think of it too, is a couple of years back, was at a local concert featuring high school kids and watched this five piece of like high school seniors rip through uh, a face melting cover of a uh, 21st century schizoid man. Absolutely right. crushed it, you know? And it's like, look, look at these, the youngins. And it's not like they're just playing the standards, you know, it's Zeppelin and the stones and all that. They're pulling out King Crimson. Well, that's what's, you know, so cool, I think, too, is the way music changed, you know, I've said it before, but when I, when I was a kid, you know, I'm sure you were of a similar generation. So, you know, growing up, you know, you sat at the heavy metal table or the punk table or the new wave table, and you didn't right. talk to people who didn't like the same music. Mm-hmm. There was, de- your culture was defined by your musical taste. Right. Um, and now it just seems like, you know, like, you know, my son or daughter, they don't care. They're, they're not as in, like, they're not like, oh, it's. They're like, oh, Rihanna, great. Skrillex, awesome. Metallica, wicked. You know, uh, yeah. 21st century schizo, cool tune. Yeah. Green Day, great. You know, like they, they just are listening to music. So it's it's played into my favor in a way a lot better because <laughs> I was always doing these really kind of diverse records, which was always pissing off a group of people that, you know, weren't that way. And now everyone's just like, oh, that's a cool tune. Like, I don't even know if he's aware that, you know, ACDC is in their 70s. And, yeah. you know, that's just, that's just, just a great tunes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. And that's right. They are in their 70s, aren't they? (laughs) I tend to forget. I I picture them young still. So the last album, I'm I'm thinking you didn't really get to tour at all because that came out in the middle of of COVID hell and everything like that. And if you toured with it much, I didn't. I missed it. Um, But I know you've been out doing stuff with Jeff Scott Soto. You guys doing Mm -hmm. your 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 duo thing is are there plans with this album you planning to get out with it and and do some stuff yeah i mean we're we're uh we're looking at different options right now the thing for me on this record is that i want it to be uh a visual and and i want the show to live up to what the records are Mm -hmm. so these records are kind of you know uh cinematic and 
Yeah. There's a there's a way to present them. And I don't want to just throw them up for 45 minutes in front of not that we're too good to open up for anybody. That's not the point of my thing, but I just want to present them the right way. I think they deserve yeah. that. So um, you know, we're looking at some options in fall. Uh, to see what we can do and where we can bring it. But I just don't want to half-ass the production of it. And obviously there's so many logistics and touring and this and how to get everything to work. But um, so we're working on that in the meantime, doing a ton of stuff with Jeff because that's been a blast. And it has been the most, you know, knuckleheaded, brilliant thing. <laughs> We've bumbled our way into just like, you know, you know, let's go to a city we love, have some drinks, and, you know, ha- literally half the time we're waking up mid-show to realize that there's people watching us. Like, it's like, it, that, it's like, it's that much of an organic kind of yeah. throwback to like a cabaret, almost vaudeville-ish, you know, really horrible jokes mm. mixed with really bizarre covers uh, <laughs> and songs and just nonsensical everything. But it's just, you know, it's taken on a life of its own. We've been starting to sell out, you know, almost like we were playing and... wow. So that's been a lot of fun, and you know, really thankful. You know, I, you know, I figure by the time I'm 90, I'm going to really be right in the middle of a huge comeback. <laughs> there you go. I have only you guys could get your way up north here sometime soon. I know because mostly it's been a little bit far for a drive for me. But yeah, I'm. Where are it you? Sounds like you guys have blessed uh, Southeast Pennsylvania, Jersey area. Oh yeah, we're, we're working on some options. Oh, excellent! That would be an amazing thing to see the two of you. And an amazing thing to see you with your own stuff. And I kind of wonder when I listen to it, I mean, holy smokes, like it's to me, it's 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 it sounds very complex and arrangement, very densely layered. What kind of challenges does it present to to bring that music live? Just a good tape recorder, really, just a. Obviously, you know, the, it, 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 I've worked with some great musicians and finding the people that can really bring that to life is a big part of it. And Andy Black Sugar, and like I said, you know, his schedule because he's with KMFDM and he's with Blondie. Mm-hmm. So we're finding the Windows opportunity to do stuff and, uh, you know, just put it together. I don't know. So it, it's just getting all the right pieces of, yeah. of musicians together to do it. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's more challenging for sure than a standard kind of rock show but um you know it, it falls short of some of the intricacies of maybe a uh, you know king crimson at their finest uh mm. somewhere in between there i think you know it's a, it's doable yeah. yeah okay any particular songs that you have found intimidating to think about producing live um well annalise from the last record is mm. really bizarre because there's really three different time signatures floating at the same time uh, okay gotcha. uh and one of them is the guitar and the other one's the vocal so that makes right. it always a little uh, you know uh different but um but we did mess with that a little bit and and that 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 would be a cool one to do live and uh flying monkeys off the new one is kind of really great mm-hmm. but that's not really so much of a challenge for me it's just me not having you know me watching marco do what he does on oh, that would be the moment, <laughs> but, uh, you know yeah. uh but yeah I, i'm looking forward to bringing it to life yeah I'm curious because again, not not really being a musician in any sort. You know, I played a little bit of drums in school, and that was about it. Never got past maybe the middle school level of it. But how does how does one end up with a song that has three time signatures? I guess occurring simultaneously is what you're saying. How does how does that happen? Was that is that planned, or did it just sort of fall out that way? Or what happens? It well, there's a bunch of stuff on the new record that's kind of got some strange 
I wouldn't say strange, just different time signatures that are yeah. kind of unique the way they fall. There's a there's a song on the record called Deep Blue that also has three different t- three different time signatures in it. So it right. moves. But I've always been fascinated by bands that could do that really well. I mean, um, Pink Floyd, obviously, on Money is a kind mm-hmm. of not a traditional 4-4. Uh, even things like Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriels and Seven. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, you know, most people wouldn't think. I never even realized it until Jonathan Mover had me play it. I was like, oh, wow, oh, wow it is. It isn't in four four because you just a sting has done it obviously countless times for the it's just a great song you don't the, the, i think the artists that make a song great and then have people eventually like oh wait you know <laughs> it's not it's not exactly the way i thought it was yeah um but yeah i, I find myself that's i think some of the prog influence uh has just been you know realizing the boundaries can be pushed even further yeah. Obviously, I'm always going to be, I hope to always be a songwriter first. Like, I never want to get in a room and say, hey, let's create a math problem. <laughs> that, that doesn't really hold any interest to me. Yeah. But, uh, but the ability to take a song and then stretch and pull and, and make things not exactly typical is the challenge. And, and that excites me in a lot of ways because, yeah. you know, I know I like to be surprised. I think right? there's, there's a sense of, you know, you go to McDonald's all over the world because you know you're getting your nugget and they're going to taste generally like chicken nuggets. And, and there's a beauty to that too. There's a beauty right. to just to knowing what you're getting. I find myself more and more interested in not knowing what I'm going to get. Yeah. And I find myself more interested in having to invest time to listen to a band or songs. And, you know, you, it's not a passive thing, you know, like Prague in general is not a passive listen. Yeah. Um, there's great, there's great pop music and, and there is great ambient music that's meant for that. And that's right. just as valid of a expression, but I tend to find myself like, Oh wow. I never would have thought they'd have gone there. I didn't hear that coming. Yeah. That's the music that tends to catch my attention. But yeah, we've got that in similar. I, I, I think I've got enough of an ADHD brain that I also love the layers of complexity because I'm going to try and listen to all the parts at the same time. Right. And and the more you can entertain the fragments of my brain simultaneously, the more enthralled I'm going to be with all of it. It's like that constant battle of giving them enough candy where they're following you into the wood. <laughs> but <laughs> I, think, I think I revealed a little bit too dark there, didn't I? Too dark. <laughs> but you know, you, you always want to, ha- you want to mask that. You want to bring that yeah. melody, the syrup to get them coming. And then you throw them off the trail right. and then, then you get them back on the trail with something else that they feel comfortable at. Just when they feel like, Okay, we're back. I'm not, and then bang, you're back to something else where they don't know where they're at. That to me is the 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 most fun way to do it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So I'm curious. I I often like to ask people too as they go into uh, a new record, a new album. I I know yours has been a pretty well stretched out process. So it probably wasn't one of those things where some of them go in. We're going to go into studio for a month and record and come out with a record. You've been doing it over an extended period of time. So maybe it's a different approach. But I, I always have in mind at least i'd like to think that for each new record the artist goes in there saying i want to do something this time that challenges me outside of my comfort zone from what i've done in the past and maybe they do maybe they don't i don't know i get varying answers but i always like to ask that question going into this one where did you did you do it did you envision something in advance where you wanted to try and say i'm going to push myself outside of my typical comfort zone or are you always so diverse, you're almost always pushing outside the comfort zone. I think I'm, I'm never in a comfort zone. Yeah, you know I mean, like, I, 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 mean, um, I, I think, you know, I think it was David Bowie who said, you, know, you just want to be just deep enough where you're 
feet barely could touch the bottom. Yeah. You know, so if you if you have to like touch for a second, you can definitely propel yourself. And that's where you kind of make cool stuff. Um yeah, I mean, I don't really think about it that way. I kind of just do what I want to do and, yeah. and then and I hope it when something you know may, catches my ear and makes me feel like you know, oh that's kind of neat or getting the feedback of some of the guys I work with, you know, they're always kind of, you know, brutally and, and and yeah, there was no objective other than the fact that I was aware um of the generosity of the people who supported the last record and and yeah. and, and the positive feedback. And I wanted to make sure, because I think we've all experienced that when we loved a record and then the next record comes out, you're like, no, damn it. Like I thought, you know, that, so I, I wanted, I wanted to, the best of my ability, continue that feeling for that, those people. Cause I know how important that feeling is to bands. I love is that, you know, when you put on that next record, you know, it's that leap of faith, whether you stream it now or you had a ride a bus to go to the record store and buy it. Yeah. When you got that record home, this is a moment like, you know, is that, you know, they, are they going to be great or is it not going to live up to my, you know, expectations? So that was kind of in my head, just trying to make sure that, you know, at least from my perspective, that we, 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 as best of our ability, you know, pushed some new boundaries and, and equaled, if not exceeded what we did last time. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's in and of itself is always the challenge there, right? You know, it's, it's for those that are... You never know. That, that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible thing about music. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, a lot of times it takes a few years, and then you yeah. look back and you go like, wait a minute, that was a really good record. And sometimes <laughs> records, I've, I've noticed this as a fan, sometimes I wasn't ready for records. That, yeah. So, like, there's, there's records that I think now are brilliant. Yeah. Like, are some of my favorite records that when they initially came out, I was like, oh, you know. Didn't catch me, but that's more on me than it was the artist. You know, that I, I just wasn't there yet. And they yeah. wanted to go to a new place. And, you know, Bowie's the master of that. I mean, how many times has Bowie did made those leaps where you're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm into this let's dance thing, <laughs> you know, right. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, it's like one of the great songs of all time. And, you know, but it's all, you know, those are the best artists. I think when you're, when you find yourself playing catch up. And I also think that that makes their careers worth following yeah because they're like every time i hear queen now i was just talking to somebody else about this like freddie mercury is better than i thought he was and i already knew he was brilliant but <laughs> every time i hear his voice now song i go back to listen to a queen record I'm like man he's even better like yeah. he and it, it, just it's amazing like when someone can do that I, and i feel that way about a lot of the bowie records and uh, you know all that stuff Beatles stuff i mean it's like those records kind of just keep getting better yeah yeah, it's it's no easy thing. And you're right, though. It depends. Uh, as the saying goes, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And right. it's, it is that perception that and I've had that same experience where, you know, listen to a record that, that I put on and was thinking of at the moment. It just wasn't catch me. It kind of seemed a little background noise, but I put it on. And then out about the third listen, all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I love this record. When right. did that happen? <laughs> when did that suddenly grip me? And I realized the, there are these parts where just the emotional swell of the music hit me. And I was like, holy crap. It's one of my favorite albums at this point in time. And, and that was Marbles by Beryllion. It just, it didn't, yeah. it did not click immediately. But when it did, wow, did it click? And I, I think that's the most, Go ahead. the most important records, you know, I, I think are the records that you have to work at. Yeah. I, I kind of equate it in my own weird way to sushi. 
Like the first time I had sushi, I was like, okay, it's, I, I, I was brave enough to have it. Yeah. And that's a huge, you know, and then you have it a little bit more and then you start again and, well, good. and then you start to spread out a little bit. You're like, oh my, the more you invest, it's, jazz is the same way. Like you mm. know, if, it, jazz is not a passive listen. Like if you're just going to put, it's going to annoy you more than anything else. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you don't invest your attention and your time, it gives you back what you put into it. Right. And um, there's a lot of records, like you were saying, that record, you know, it, it, if you don't give to that record, it's not giving to you. But if you take the time to invest in it, it's, it becomes one of those classic, like, you know, amazing things. Yeah. So worth it. So worth it. Absolutely. I'm curious too. reading through the credits uh, on the upcoming record. Uh, do we have some incognito performers on there? I see some names that I think, wow, if somebody named their child that, what the heck were they thinking? <laughs> I have a very eclectic group of friends that yeah. come from very, varied walks of life that I cannot really give more information on. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. As I started scanning down, I'm going, oh, yeah, okay, that one, that one. I don't recognize that name. I Google that. Okay, okay. Wait, wait a minute. What? Wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Like Strelinsky, Waka Waka. I went, okay, come on. <laughs> Something's happening here. So I'm like, he's got some secret performers. There's a, uh, an art that has been long since lost of making credits worth reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like to think that for those who bought the vinyl, they're going to be very happy when they get to sit down and have a moment with the record. No Hopefully. No doubt. I, I was, I was absolutely a liner's note nerd throughout my days back when physical media was always the thing. And I would read through everything in there just to see what was going on. Especially because I noticed uh, with Rush in particular, they would mention so many people, you know, including the bands they toured with and this, that, and the other. And also you start seeing the connections and you go, wait a minute. Okay. These guys are all interconnected. And, you know, and where else do you, well, where else do you learn names like Pino Palladino? Right. The lighter notes. Exactly. Still, still one of the best rock names ever. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And one of the best players too. Yeah. Yeah. He was clearly solid. The man was everywhere. If it wasn't him. It was Tony Levin playing, you know, bass on the studio for them. You know, it was, it was always yeah. one of those two. It seemed like so. The guys. The Mount Rushmore of bass. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> All, right. All right. So album comes out April 14th. Tour, sure. looking at developing later in the year, probably, maybe? Probably, probably later in the year towards fall. And then, But Jeff and I are doing a bunch of stuff between, uh, I think, May and June. We're doing the Monsters of Rock Cruise together. Oh, uh, cool. With Extreme and Queensryche and a bunch of guys, a bunch of friends of ours. Uh, that's in uh, the end of April, beginning of May. And then we're going to do September, October together, Jeff and I. And yeah. then the headlining stuff for the Baron Von Bisky Orchestra will be post that. Wonderful. Wonderful. And surprise thing for me today, literally half an hour before we started this, I noticed an email pops up and there's a new mix out of Human Head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. What inspired that? I got I to gotta say, because it's basically, I mean, so I added some effects, slowed it down. It's now a 10-minute song. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 sometimes, you know, drinking alcohol on a Friday night going into the studio does not really yield <laughs> uh, the pop sensation results you would think. Yeah. Um, we just thought it was funny. I mean, there's been this kind of bizarre trend I've seen going around. And someone was like, you know, uh, actually, Corey Wong, guitar player, brilliant guitar player. Oh, okay. Just uh, did something, and I was like, slow down and reverbed. Like, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> So uh, 
I slowed it down and reverbed it. And I thought, wow, that's really dark and really, it almost sounds like typo negative. Uh, yes. thing. You know, it's got that kind of really dark and it as sinister as the actual original is now it sounds like a pop tune when you compare the two. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, it just took on a life of its own. And then the brilliant artist that I worked with, Robert put together this whole visual thing for it. And I was like, okay, that's too cool not to put out. It's just, yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. When it, when it comes on in the studio and I'm by myself, I got to turn the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> Typo negative is a great description as far as a comparison, because it, it, it is terrifyingly beautiful. Right. It's got re- and I love it as selfishly. Uh, <laughs> I just like the fact that when you listen to it at that speed, there's so many articulations that you don't hear in the regular one. Right. I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, if you want to listen to where the reverb trails go, or even like whistles in the end of my S's that I never heard. Like there's just these weird or vibratos when you, start, you know, there's so many little things you can fall into. Um, I found it was kind of neat. So we, we wanted to try to keep, you know, putting out stuff that's kind of yeah. strange. Well, it's very cool. Thank you. Thank you for the unexpected treat. <laughs> oh, please. The interview. Perfect. <laughs> Thank right, you. So Thank you very much for uh, giving me your time. I appreciate talking to you, and I look forward to seeing you live up here in the in the Northeast, Mid Atlantic, whatever you want to call them. In the not too distant future. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. And uh, oh. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope we see you soon. Absolutely, you're always welcome on my show, man. Take care. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Take care. I am always more than happy to sit and talk music with Jason. Just it's always a great conversation, hearing what he's doing, hearing what he's thinking, and just talking about whatever comes to mind in many ways but i'm very happy he's got a lot of new music coming out of enjoying what he's been putting out over the last year and a half because if you recall last time i talked with him human head actually the first song off of postcards from the asylum was out and had just come out still one of my favorite lyrical quotes from him so he's, he's been trickling it out he's been teasing us for a while now and in eh, a little more than a month we're finally going to get to hear the final finished product postcards from the asylum so i look forward to that i hope to god he can get up my way whether with the baron von bielski orchestra or just scott soto or if i'm really lucky and i'm really good and santa has me on the right list we're gonna get both of them someday either way i'm looking forward to it and i recommend you check out everything he's doing if you haven't already remember april 14th the new album the tour dates tbd fingers crossed we're gonna see him real soon thanks again jason i appreciate your time on my show i wish you the best of luck with the album and wish you the best of luck with the tour. Already hearing some pretty strong word about the album and the early, early reviews. So there you go, man. Take care. Thank you for joining me once again for Bleeding Edge Interviews. Just a quick reminder, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't already, please check out my other interviews. They are available wherever you find podcasts. Just search under Toxic Radio. And of course, they're always available at ToxicRadio.net. Meanwhile, remember, Bleeding Edge is on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, right in the middle of the Brain Salad Sunday, where we feature all day long prog rock, prog metal, anything that pushes the boundaries. This is Super Dave, signing off. <laughs>